0: Welcome into another episode of the Fantc Football Pod with Nick and Cody coming at you with a little Week Two reaction here on Monday night, uh, right after these uh, games have just wrapped up uh, on Monday. Uh, Cody, kind of a mixed bag here in Week One, Week Two for me. Uh, I know I said the exact same thing after Week One, but uh, you know, some some good as far as predictions went, but some bad as far as. Personal interest went, and uh, my fantasy teams went. So, how did your week two go in a general sense?
1: Uh, it went a lot better than week one, that's for sure. Week one, I was ready to jump off a cliff, but I am uh, I'm grounded again. <laughs> I uh, I won I won the majority of my matchups. Lost in our league, so that always sucks. But it is what it is. And our best bets, if you tuned in on Saturday's show, went five and one. Uh, the only one that disappointed were the Ravens, but we will get more into that when we get to that matchup. Um, but overall, it was a good weekend. How was your weekend, Nick?
0: Uh, it was good. Um, yeah, like I said, really disappointing effort out of my, uh, my Broncos there. Uh, we'll get into that later, like you said earlier. Um, and then my fantasy weekend went okay. But, uh, yeah, pretty tame weekend other than that. And like you said, the Baltimore matchup, the only one not panning out there, and if you – if you know anything about that game before we, uh, we talk about it here later, it's, it very easily could have been 6-0 out of our best bets, so I was pretty happy out of our bounce back there from a tough week one uh, uh, from the best bet segment. So Hopefully we can keep that momentum rolling here into the next couple weeks, um, but Cody, we have a lot of games to get to here, so I'm going to go ahead and kick us off. Um, we're going to actually just touch on injuries uh, as we go here, so I'll try to... Write down our time codes on these games so that you can you can just uh, go ahead and jump to which game you want to listen to if you are looking at our episode description on Apple Podcasts or in Spotify. That way uh, you can find which you need to hear quicker. We're going to start with our Thursday matchup. Uh, we did do a little bit of a limited reaction when we did our week one preview on Friday of the, the Thursday matchup, but I kind of wanted to wrap up some of the things we talked about here. Uh, we'll start with the Chargers. Uh, on their side, I think uh, Gerald Everett basically is a weekly starter This was at this point for the tight end position. That's not a high bar to clear for tight end, especially right now. Uh, it's a pretty tough landscape, as it yeah, usually terrible is. terrible week for tight Everett, ends. Oh, man, week one was, was bad, too, even for tight ends. But um, that being said, Everett looks like he's pretty involved in a pretty high pass volume offense, especially while Allen is out. He's a pretty fantastic option at the tight end position. If you found him in the late rounds, he looks like a good play. Um, Keeping an eye on Justin Herbert's injury for sure. Haven't heard a ton of updates. I'm thinking he plays this week based on what I've heard so far, but definitely keep an eye on that. The rib injuries can always, uh, you know, that's really just going to come down to a tolerance situation. So we'll just have to see what he's like in practice this week. Uh, And lastly, here on the Chargers side, I wanted to touch on Austin Eckler. Uh, His role is a little bit concerning to me. Did end up with 24 touches, but got a lot of dump off work in that last drive. When uh, I wouldn't call it garbage time necessarily, but they were definitely allowing the Chargers to have the uh, you know the Austin Eckler pass underneath, so he got uh, some stat padding there. Didn't have the goal line carries. That was Sony Michelle uh, during the. I, I think that was the second quarter when they had a couple goal line carries. All of those went to Michelle. How are you feeling about Eckler right now? I think I'm probably downgrading him a little bit. Still a good option, obviously, because he's involved in a good offense, but uh tough he's gonna like like we said before the year started the 20 touchdowns from last year is going to be hard to repeat and it it might be even harder to repeat if he's not actually being used in the red zone
1: yeah that that's exactly what i was going to say it's going to be hard for him to pay off the draft capital that you spent on him if he's not getting that red zone work and if you take off that last drive he really had a very unimpressive day on the ground so um yeah, you nailed the like. If he didn't get those dump down passes on that last drive, we're probably having an even more concerning talk about Eckler. But um, if you're in a PPR league, he still has that catching upside. But in non PPR, I may be looking to try and trade him based on name value and seeing if I can get another RB one to replace him at this point.
0: Yeah, I think that might be a, an okay move to make if you can get him at, uh, you know, 95 cents on the dollar from where you drafted him because that uh, that red zone role is concerning. Hopefully he yeah. can get those goal line touches back in weeks uh, coming up here because Michelle didn't really show me anything that, you know, said he has a stranglehold on it. He didn't exactly... Perform amazingly. Getting stuffed um, and at the then one quickly, multiple
1: times, huh? <laughs> it hurts you quite a bit there.
0: Especially after Eckler had so much success in that role last year, it's, it's very yep. confusing, honestly, for me uh from a personal perspective. But I think they're just trying to limit Eckler's total touches to keep him healthy for the whole year. And then, uh, really quick on the the two Chargers pass catchers of note, uh, Mike Williams, he's really good. We told you to start him. Uh, we told you to buy low on him. That time is probably over, unfortunately, at this point. Uh, He's going to have—this is just kind of who he is. He's going to have his down weeks, but he's going to have his up weeks. Uh, You're going to have to keep him in your lineup every week, and he'll probably end up as around a a high-end wide receiver, too. And then Josh Palmer, if Keaton Allen's not playing, uh, I know he kind of got bailed out with that last-minute touchdown, so not exactly sustainable, but he had eight targets, so I think he's a solid flex option if Allen sits. Uh, On the KC side, um, I think we are pretty much done here with the other guys in this offense not named travis Kelsey if you want to take a DFS shot at one of these guys and guess who's going to score a touchdown be my guest but I am just not ready to put any of them in my lineup confidently Juju three targets three catches 10 yards disappointing after his week one involvement but uh, this is kind of what I expected going into the year and I think at this point it's Kelsey and then uh, one of the other guy maybe one of the one or two of the other guys is going to have a good game but you can't rely on it
1: yeah i will say that this chargers defense is very impressive i mean they they had the whole offense kind of shut down for the majority of the game but i do agree with you even in a dfs shot i mean all these guys are it's just getting spread around so much that you're gonna have if you put them in a dfs lineup you're just gonna have to hope he gets a bomb touchdown because even though they catch one there's no guarantee there's another pass coming their way so um besides kelsey i'm out on these guys for sure and then um I see here, you're still wanting to sell high on my on my boy Clyde. I, I don't know why. He's out there performing each and every week, and uh, Nick just can't get rid of him fast enough, it seems like.
0: Well, uh, we're still looking at 12 touches here for Clyde. Uh, oh, yeah. Only eight carries, uh, four catches on four targets. Did have over 100 total yards. Uh, quite yeah yeah a 52yard carry towards the end of the game that sort of saved his bacon on the day and that's kind of what uh, the reason that I would want to sell high on him I just want to see somebody a little bit more consistently involved in the game plan especially around the goal line Chiefs actually didn't have a ton of goal line chances in this game so I'll give him yep. uh, at least that so could be could be more valuable yeah. moving forward I'm not totally selling on Clyde but I still think that if you can get somebody to think that he is you know the Clyde that we expected maybe a year or two ago and you know get uh solid rb2 high-end rb2 value on him i would go ahead and take it because i feel like he's going to be a little more inconsistent than consistent uh through through the rest of the year here
1: yeah he definitely will be and i'm just thinking back on thursday Not 100 sure but i'm pretty sure one of the only goal line or inside the five carries that the chiefs gave was to jarek mckinnon also which is still kind of concerning but yeah, I understand the point on selling high on him. I mean, if you can take him and another player and go up and try and maybe even get a running back one, I would do it in one of these first, you know, do it right now because there is a chance that he is uh that he has a bad week and that his value is really going to come falling down fast. So, I get the point on yeah, selling just, high. I just I enjoy I enjoy Clyde because he's he's doing what I want to. I have a lot of him in a lot of leagues, so performing performing as
0: I expected. As you said with McKinnon on the goal line, it seems like Clyde is definitely the lead guy, but it doesn't necessarily seem like they have to have him out there in the high leverage situations. It seems like whoever is on the field, you know, if they give McKinnon the drive, they'll keep McKinnon on the field for that whole drive and not, you know, not pivot to Clyde when there's a goal line or a third down situation when they need, you know, need him in there necessarily. So that's that's kind of my my concern with Clyde long term. Um, So. Wrapping up the Chiefs and Chargers here, moving on to the uh, first game of the Sunday slate. That would be the Jets and the Browns, and <laughs> an unsuspecting barn burner here between the Jets and Cleveland. The Jets pulling it off 31-30 to with a miraculous comeback in the last couple minutes here. Um, starting on the Jets' side, Joe Flacco looked really good, threw four touchdowns, didn't throw a pick, um, and... Really targeted heavily his rookie uh, first-round pick, Garrett Wilson, 14 targets, two touchdowns, over 100 yards, uh, 22 targets so far this year in the first two games from Joe Flacco. It's, um, you know, I mean, it's really encouraging to see. He looks great on the field, and I, I guess he is the number one right now, at least while Flacco's in there. I'm not really sure what to expect once Zach Wilson comes back. Uh, but for now, I think it's just it's encouraging for Wilson's long-term prospects that he uh, looks so good right now.
1: Yep, completely agree with uh, with Wilson. He had an amazing day, and um, he was. We were both really high on him. I think you had him as your number two receiver. I may have had him at number one or number two as well. So um, glad to see him, you know, performing where where we had expected him to. So that's awesome.
0: And on the running backs, um, pretty much split right down the middle. Both of them got seven carries in this one. Brees Hall ended up with 50 yards, Michael Carter with 23. So uh, the more explosive runner, uh, obviously, Brees Hall, we, we've kind of expected that. Michael Carter still ended up with more targets. So I still think you're slightly leaning Carter in this backfield. But, you know, it's a pretty pretty much a split at this point until we see otherwise. Um, and then again, just a tough defense. There there wasn't much to go around there for the running backs. Lots, lots in the receiving game, though. Um, so. On the Cleveland side, um, not a ton to talk about here, really. It's pretty much what we expected. The running backs are really good. Nick Chubb ended up with all three of the touchdowns, so Hunt had a little bit of a disappointing day on a, on a fantasy side, but nothing from his performance uh, makes you know deters me at all from either one of these guys. They're still both good plays. Uh, if he would have gotten one of the touchdowns, it would look a lot better for, for both yep. of them. And then uh, good to see Cooper having a good game, but I'm still not ready to trust it. Uh you know, Donovan Peoples-Jones got 11 targets week one, only one in week two. I could easily see him getting more than Cooper next week. I feel like, you know, Jacoby Reset's just not somebody you want to bet on from a pass-catching perspective.
1: Yep, I agree. I think Cooper in a deep league, like a 12-man league, with two flexes or something, he you could maybe slide him in that second flex spot, but he's going to be a boomer bust. There could definitely be, you know, next week he could end up with two catches for 20 yards and no touchdowns. So, if you're gonna play them, you got to know that that's also a possibility. But it is nice to see him have a good week, uh, especially after a pretty disappointing week
0: one. Washington and Detroit, a, another game that ended up being a really entertaining showdown here. Uh, a lot of garbage time for Washington really kind of buoyed their stats. I feel like at the end of the day, but uh, starting with the commander side of things, Detroit ends up taking this game thirty-six to twenty-seven. Uh, but on the Washington side. Carson Wentz over 300 yards, three touchdowns, ended up with a really good fantasy day, but they were down 22 to 0 at half and we saw last week against Philadelphia this Detroit defense is going to give it up at some point. They're uh, you know, they're a scrappy unit, but at the end of the day they don't have quite the talent of some of the higher end units in the game. So if you give them, you know, you give an NFL quarterback with some pretty good pass catchers, I think that's the one thing that you can kind of take away here is that uh, these guys are these guys are pretty good between Dotson, Samuel, and McLaurin. So if Carson Wentz's defense is going to be this bad this year, he might have to throw a lot, and he could just be good by, you know, volume basically at this point if he's throwing to these guys uh, forty times a game. Uh, but yeah, I just think the merit of this offense in a close game is still to be determined. Uh, but if this defense, like I said, is going to be bad, then you you can play these guys and hope that you know these these eight to ten target games continue.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think all of their pass catchers are flexed to wide receiver two level. Um, I would like to see Terry McLaurin get a little bit more work, but his targets were up there with the rest of them. And, uh, but yeah, I'm very surprised at how good Curtis Samuel looks. I mean, if he can stay healthy, he may finally have that that great year that everyone's been kind of waiting for him to have. And then uh, I just want to touch on the running backs. Antonio Gibson, 14 attempts for 28 yards, a whopping two yards per carry. Um, I didn't get a lot of work because they were behind a lot in this game, but that does make me concerned that when Brian Robinson does come back, he may end up getting some of that backfield work, especially if he can be more efficient than Gibson. So just something to keep an eye on. Uh, nothing, Nothing to worry about until he comes back, though.
0: Yeah, disappointing game for Gibson. I still think he'll carry that early down roll until Robinson comes back. But, uh, yeah, we expected a little more out of Antonio this week. And then McKissick, uh, seven catches. He's definitely got a stranglehold in that third down roll. I think uh, week one, Gibson's target volume might have been a little bit of an anomaly. So deeper, deeper PPR leagues. If you uh, have a matchup where you think Washington is going to be behind, you can go ahead and throw McKissick in there. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll probably sure. be okay with you. Probably only full PPR, though, for me. Uh, on yeah. the Detroit side... Uh, I'm on Ross St. Brown looks absolutely amazing uh, he's definitely a lineup lock at this point until you see otherwise uh, over a hundred yards and two touchdowns uh, 12 targets from Jared Goff. I think that's the biggest thing his volume has just really been there this was an easy matchup we kind of penciled this when we went in we told you guys that uh, this is a week you really want to get Brown in your lineup because uh, Kirk had lit up the Washington slot corner the week before and Amon am Ross St. Brown did the exact same thing this week but still, I think, um, you know, just from an eye test standpoint, he looks like a, good, a really good player. And he's, you know, the sample size is getting bigger and bigger with each game. So I think, uh, I think you can pretty much trust Amon St. Brown as a solid wide receiver, too, at this point.
1: Yeah, for sure. He and, looks amazing out there.
0: Yeah, he really does. And on the other, the other guys, uh, Jared Goff is probably in the streaming category at this point, which is kind of weird to say, but uh, four touchdowns for him against the Washington defense at home. Kind of an easy matchup again, but I think if you find uh, the right game here where you can find an environment where there's a lot of scoring, Goff can be an okay play as uh, a back-end starter for some guys that may have quarterback injuries. Cody, sorry about that. Uh, we will get to that later, but I <laughs> had to throw that in there real quick. As, and as then, long uh, as he's on... in
1: a dome or in warm weather, I would consider golf a streamable option. But if he's playing in Chicago when it's cold, in Green Bay when it's cold, I would still be hesitant on golf just because he hasn't shown to have uh, ex- elite arm
0: strength. So just he- that heavily. Heavily matchup dependent for sure. And then uh, TJ Hawkinson, the other pass catcher in this offense, another seven targets, but another disappointing day. I think better days are ahead for TJ Hawkinson, but... Uh, I'm on Roz the clear one here Uh, the uh, the idea of TJ Hawkins being the leader of this passing offense has probably come and gone uh, unfortunately but I think he'll still be a low-end starter the rest of the year the target volume's there he'll he'll see better days going forward and DeAndre Swift is really good that's that's all I had to say about him anything else you want to uh, say about Washington and Detroit here
1: nope just want to echo DeAndre Swift looks amazing out there
0: yeah, he's he's very good at football, no question. Uh, only eight touches in this game, but that was mostly I would bet because of his injury. He made the uh, most he'll of be them. Fine with the forward. Yep. Yeah, and he's he still pulled pulled out a great fantasy day, so no worries there on DeAndre Swift. Uh, kind of a stinker of a game to talk about here next: Tampa Bay, New Orleans. Um, I sort of talked about it in the the best bets column when we uh, we went over that on uh, Friday afternoon, Saturday mornings when it released. Uh, Twenty to ten, Tampa Bay wins it, uh, but a. a A defensive touchdown and a garbage time touchdown from the Saints made this score look a little better than the game even seemed uh, basically throughout. Uh, On the Tampa Bay side, a really tough day for the offense, but I think better days are ahead here. Uh, There was nothing really about Brady's performance that really concerned me. A lot of drops from his receivers, but a lot of backup receivers in as well. Uh, So many guys hurt in this game. Mike Evans getting kicked out in the middle of it. A banged up Russell Gage. uh, No Julio Jones. No Chris Godwin. Really nothing to work with on Tampa side from the pass catching standpoint. So I'm not incredibly worried. I was actually pretty encouraged about how well the O-line held up in pass protection in this game against a pretty good pass rush in the Saints. Brady only sacked one time. Uh, The only problem for this offense is that the defense might be one of the best two or three defenses in the league. So if they can keep holding people to, you know, what was it, three points week one, ten points this week. Uh, that that could be a little bit of an issue if, uh, you know, the offense doesn't have to do much because the defense is so good. But I'm not incredibly worried about the offense long term as long as some of these guys can get healthy.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just a quick waiver wire point, because I feel like the rest of the teams didn't have too much injury or waiver wire options. With Tampa Bay, Mike Evans is going to be out next week. Chris Godwins is still most likely out. Um, I would say if Julio's back for week three, I mean, he's definitely a guy that I would start. And then
0: you can after him. him,
1: would you go Russell Gage or Scotty Miller, I guess, or would you probably just stay away from the other pass catching options?
0: Oh, no. If, uh, if Evans and Godwin are out, you can certainly pivot to Russell Gage there. Uh, I mean, the target yeah. volume is going to be there. They're playing green Bay at home. They're probably going to have to score some points. Um, I have no problem with Russell Gage or Julio Jones next week, assuming Godwin and Evans are out. Those are both guys I would target in, um, in on, on FAB on waivers if they're there. But just know they're probably only one- or two-week options because, again, Evans will yep. be back. Godwin will probably be back in a week or two as well. So just yep. know they're short-term. On the New Orleans side, uh, really tough day for Jameis Winston. Three picks, uh, no touchdowns. Kind of had a traditional Jameis day from his Buccaneers days. Uh, just to know that this is a possibility for the offense is pretty tough. Uh, it really looked like they needed Alvin Kamara out there. Didn't have much of a difference maker in the in the running game. Kamara, uh, Ingram looked okay, actually, but he's just is what he is at this point. He's 32. Not going to make a huge difference. Uh, he was a fine play against a really tough defense, I think, if Kamara's out in the future and Ingram has a little bit of a softer matchup, I'm fine playing him. And I think my other point here is to sell high on Michael Thomas. Another touchdown this week, but um you know came in somewhat garbage time and I just don't want to trust the Saints offense with the way it's looking right now the, the Buccaneers might be an elite unit and maybe the Saints look a lot better against uh, most of the other teams in the NFL but Olave got 13 targets in this one uh, Landry kind of led the way in week one and uh, Thomas has an- had another nine targets which is nice but I think that had a lot to do with grain scripts, not necessarily the plan for the offense. And then the touchdown sort of saved his bacon. So I don't know how, how you feel, but I'd be selling high on Michael Thomas.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you can flip him for a more consistent wide receiver too, I would definitely look to do so. Um, biggest thing with Michael Thomas is if said does play all 17 games with his fractured back, he's most likely going to be very inconsistent. And I mean, if Thomas doesn't get in the end zone today, you're, or yesterday you probably don't have a chance to sell high on them so i would agree take this opportunity same thing like we said with ceh on these guys where you don't know how they're going to perform on a week-to-week basis you don't know how much they're going to be involved when they start out this hot it's most likely not going to stick the entire season i'd go ahead and try and cut bait with them and get something better in return while they are uh you know potentially at their highest point of value
0: if your Chris Godwin owner is 0-2, go try and trade Michael Thomas for Chris Godwin uh, if you can stomach it for a week because Godwin's probably going to sit. But he will be much better once he starts playing for the rest of the year. I can uh, almost guarantee that. Uh, really moving fun. on to another somewhat disappointing game here. Not Maybe not disappointing because it wasn't that unexpected. That's Carolina and uh, the Giants. The Giants end up pulling it out 19-16, a real barn burner of a game there. Uh, on the Carolina side, Uh, This is unfortunately kind of what we expected out of Baker. Um, He is, you know, an okay quarterback, maybe even average in the league, uh, but he's just not somebody that's going to elevate these, um, you know, pass-catching and, and rushing options into the elite tier that they weren't in before. I think you're going to see the same sort of thing you've seen out of DJ Moore from year to year, uh, so a mostly inconsistent low-end wide receiver, too. DJ Moore ended up kind of saving you with that touchdown, but three catches for 43 yards and only six targets is not exciting anybody um, that drafted him in the third or fourth round. And then McCaffrey's lack of receiving involvement is starting to worry me a little bit. I just yep. I, I don't really understand I, Baker's in- Ability to look for him in the passing game. Uh, It seems like you'd want to use your best offensive weapon uh, where he is most effective. But at the same time, McCaffrey still looks really good. 15 carries, 102 yards, broke off a pretty big run there in the second half uh, to sort of get them back in it. But uh, I'm not necessarily worried about starting McCaffrey. But if you're in a full or half PPR situation, he might not be the cheat code that uh, he was in years prior when he was healthy.
1: Yeah, I think his biggest issue is when the pocket breaks down, Baker doesn't look to dump the ball down. Baker thinks he's an elite athlete who can outrun defensive linemen, and he still can't do it five years into the league. So, um, yeah, it's definitely concerning. I mean, if he would just dump down five more passes to McCaffrey, this team's – they might have won that game. I mean, they only lost by three, and it was really close all the way throughout. And Baker was just taking sacks and – you know, running and barely getting back to the line of scrimmage, which is fine, but give the ball to the best playmaker on the field and DJ Moore. To your more. point, tier two. Oh, so there good.
0: was a there was a there was a long third down in this game. I remember. I think it was in the first half. It was a third and eight or third and nine. They were in uh, opposing territory. And there was a situation where Baker broke the pocket and had a chance to dump it off to McCaffrey. And he may not have gotten the first down because there was a couple guys in between him and the line, but we've seen time and again that McCaffrey can make, you know, make something out of nothing in that situation, make a couple guys miss, get to the edge and get the first down. Baker decided to run it. And, you know, he only picked up three or four yards because like you said, he's just not an elite athlete. It's, it's it's so frustrating. I just really want to see Baker Mayfield. He can make his an NFL career situations.
1: if he would just stop trying to run the football. If he would just play in the pocket like like a Drew Brees, like everyone thought he was gonna be like, and quit trying to run around, he would be fine. But he just runs into mistakes non-stop on the field. He is the most irritating NFL quarterback to watch, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, he has to realize he's not at Oklahoma anymore. He's not going to outrun these NFL athletes in any situation, really. Uh, Should start dumping the ball off to McCaffrey more. Hopefully he does. On the Giants' side, um, pretty tough game here for the offense. Uh, Carolina's defense is actually pretty good. Uh, They have a lot of young players that are high draft capital guys, so I'm not necessarily shocked that they had a tough time here. Uh, but honestly, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged with Saquon Barkley's usage to this point. 25 touches in this one. Had kind of a tough statistical game. Didn't really uh, do a ton for you in fantasy. Didn't really kill you either, but uh, not a great game for him. But still, the, the, encouraging, the encouraging thing here is the usage for Saquon Barkley. We are pretty high on him at this point. And then uh, Sterling Shepard, I think, is the guy you want in the passing game. A, a disappointing game for him as well. Six catches, 34 yards, but he had 10 targets. We've seen this really consistently. Anytime he's out on the field with Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones hyper-targets Sterling Shepard. So it seems like he's healthy, and he's probably the guy you want in the passing game uh, to say that you want anybody in this passing game. He's still probably only you know, a low-end flex option in, in most leagues unless you have a deeper format there. So... Uh, Encouraging usage out of Barkley and not much else on the Giants side.
1: Yep, I do agree with you when it comes to Sterling Shepard, because I, I did say that Kadarius Toney would be my low end flex option on this team and his three targets or three targets, two catches, and zero yards. So if you started him in non PPR, you're probably very upset with me. Sorry about that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can go ahead and cut Kadarius Toney. At For this point. sure. I don't think there's yeah. any reason to hang on to him right now. Uh Sterling Shepard's the only guy I would roster on the the passing pass catcher's side of things in New York. Um, Another barn burner of a game between the Patriots and the Steelers. Uh, More points scored maybe than even I expected, but did still hit my under for me. So thank you for cashing in here. Uh, Patriots and Steelers, 17-14. New England pulls it off on the road. Um, On the New England side, I think we actually have a fantasy option here. So that is... More than we've had to talk about so far this year with the Patriots. That's uh, that's kind of encouraging. Damian Harris seems like he is the lead back here. 15 carries to the Ramondre Stevenson's nine. And maybe even more importantly, uh, Harris got two targets to Stevenson's as well. Also, had, He also had two, but uh, Harris caught both of his balls for 16 yards. Stevenson only caught one for four. Um, but I, I just think that it looks like they are pretty much splitting time with Harris being the lead guy. Uh, so you're looking at like a 60-40 split. And Harris is the main guy here. So if you can carry if you can carry that through, well, at least while Montgomery's out, you have a usable asset in here in Harris because uh, the Patriots are going to be committed to the run, you know, no matter what.
1: Yep, I actually had a guy uh, message me about a trade, and I told him do not trade Damian Harris until after this week because his value may go up quite a bit with Montgomery out, and I nailed that. So. That guy texted me Sunday night and said thank you because he was about to pull the trigger on a deal Saturday. I was like, no, I wouldn't do it yet. But uh, yeah, Damian Harris looks good. Ramondre Stevenson, I just expected him to be more involved in the passing game. That's where I think his value is, where he get the most value. But he just he was just as involved as Harris. So like Nick said, at this point, I would start Damian Harris and then I would just hold on to Ramondre Stevenson. And then no, yeah, I think that's a good point. <laughs> I, I don't think, think I uh, would chase you, anybody. Yeah,
0: No, I don't think so either. Uh, Aguilar had a pretty good game here, but basically he just caught that 44-yard touchdown. uh, A a really good throw by Mac Jones on the sideline there, but not something we want to rely on here for the pass catchers. Jacoby Myers is probably the only one I would consider, and that's only in full PPR formats because he had 13 targets. I think that's the guy that's going to be most involved week to week uh, out of the Patriots pass catchers. On the Pittsburgh side of things, it looks like Deontay Johnson is the clear number one, and he's gotten the most targets the the first two weeks by a pretty wide margin, but that being said, I'm still not thrilled about him season long. I basically feel like how I felt coming into the year, uh, if maybe a little bit more encouraged about his floor, but... Yeah, this offense just is not very good under Mitch Trubisky. They've had a, cu- a pretty tough run of defenses to start the year here, but still uh, not very encouraging start here for the Pittsburgh offense as a whole. And uh, by proxy, I'm not incredibly encouraged by Deontay Johnson. And uh, on Claypool, Chase Claypool, I was really disappointed to see his, you know, not not see his rushing continue here. Uh, I thought that that... that Giving him those carries might be just a part of the offense because they needed to, you know, mix it up a little bit with Trubisky at the helm and just getting a guy that clearly has some upside as an athlete, the ball more often in his hands, but zero carries in this game. I was disappointed to see that. And then I think Harris is basically who we thought. I think uh, he had a pretty good week, honestly. If you were a fantasy manager of his coming in, we were pretty worried about him. I was trying to pivot off of him personally, and he ended up doing okay. Uh, got 15 carries for 49 yards, kind of his prototypical low efficiency on the ground, but ended up uh, kind of saving your day with five catches for 40 yards through the air. So I think Harris had an okay day, but we are he is who he is. Lots of volume, low efficiency on Najee Harris.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So on your Deontay Johnson point, uh, just curious, Michael Thomas or Deontay Johnson for the rest of the season?
0: Oh, man, that is gross. Um, I'd probably take Deontay Johnson at this point. I yeah, think his I think uh, so. his target volume is going to be more assured week to week uh, if Olave emerges as the number one there, which I think is distinctly possible. Uh, Thomas could you know completely fall off the radar as a useful asset week to week so I would uh, I would probably go with Deontay Johnson I'm pretty positive he will be the one all year yeah
1: for sure and then on your point about Najee if you're in full PPR he basically hit his projection uh, with the injury so you were happy or you were okay with his day didn't get in the end zone which kind of took away from him a little bit but Uh, You nailed it. He's going to get the ball a lot. It's just he doesn't seem to do very much with it. Um, His longest run was only eight yards. I think that for someone who gets as much volume as him, that might have been one of the lowest, longest runs on the week. So not sure if it's their offensive line or if he's just not hitting the holes where he needs to be. But I would like to see him at least be able to pop off one or two on a weekly basis for him to uh, be that running back one that he was drafted to be.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think it's uh, I I think it's mostly the line from what I've seen. I think Najee right. is still a pretty good player, but you're right. With 15 opportunities, you'd like to see him at least get uh you know one explosive play out of uh, out of all those opportunities. Yeah. I think the once defense... he faces some easier defenses, he'll have some some better you know easier treading. But we'll we'll see yeah. how it goes moving forward.
1: The defense also knows Mitchell Trubisky isn't an, an elite quarterback, so they're probably really just trying to stop the run while he's in there because he's not looked very good through two weeks. Um, I think a switch to Kenny Pickett may be coming in the future here for Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, I think that could be a positive for everybody in the offense just to shake things up and hopefully, um, you know, change the change the tempo of this offense a little bit. Uh, another really disappointing effort here uh, from Indianapolis. Uh, Indianapolis at Jacksonville. Cody beautifully called the Jacksonville plus 3.5 line in our best bet segment. They absolutely crushed that. You could have gone with them on the money line. You could have gone with Jacksonville minus 21, and you still would have covered. Jacksonville wins this one 24-0. Zero. zero points for Indianapolis against uh, this Jacksonville team that went 2-15 and 15 last year. That's pretty embarrassing. Uh, on the Indianapolis side, wow, um, Matt Ryan just looked really old in this one. Um, I I don't want to completely overreact here. It was just one bad game, and he did not have his number one man in uh, Michael Pittman. It seems like they really need them. They re- really need him as an offense. They don't have much in the way of pass catchers other than that. Ashton Doolin, uh led in targets, receptions, and yards. That's not exactly ideal if you're on the Colts side of things. So uh, I think the biggest thing that i really noticed out of this game is that the o-line just might not be the strength that it's been in years past so that's been biggest concern for this offense moving forward
1: yeah i mean the biggest thing with matt ryan is they thought that the o-line was going to be one of the best that he had played with and they kind of thought that he was going to be able to play off of that but i I agree with you i share the same concern um yeah pittman has got to be out there because i mean he is by far their best receiver, and they they really need to start looking for another one if they want to be a playoff team and potentially make a playoff push. Because if he gets if he gets double teamed, you know, down the stretch of the season or into the playoffs, this this offense looks really rough. Um, any concern about Jonathan Taylor? Not necessarily the player, but as you said, the O line isn't looking that good. And um, you know, the offense couldn't get anything going last weekend. Is is he a potential, you know, sell candidate just on name value or are you just gonna stick it out with him with him being the number one overall pick?
0: Absolutely not. I have zero concerns about Jonathan Taylor. If you if you're a manager and your league does, I would go ahead and absolutely bite at basically any price that you can get him at that's not in you know a ridiculous king's ransom at this point if you can get him anywhere under where his value was at the beginning of the year I'll take it I think JT will be fine still nine carries for 50 yards just a, a tough game you can't win them all uh, when you're Jonathan Taylor I think this is basically his first bad game and probably you know you know 19 out of the last 20 games he's had he'll be fine moving forward uh, when the offense has a little bit more rhythm uh, again just yeah. kind of a, a bad day at the office for the Colts as a whole here it does happen occasionally so you just have to yep. take your lumps there
1: you don't get uh, on to the jacksonville
0: talk... side oh, so okay. i was gonna
1: say you don't get to talk very negatively about them very often so <laughs> just figured out exactly it out
0: there but yeah i agree with you yeah i think uh, everybody has their bad days statistically uh running backs wide receivers quarterbacks alike so taylor will be fine moving forward uh on the jacksonville side Uh, Their running back is the most interesting point of conversation here. That is James Robinson, 23 carries in this one, only 64 yards, but had a 39-yard touchdown scamper in the first half. He looked pretty good. I know that efficiency sounds pretty bad considering that the other, you know, 22 of his carries went for less than 30 yards, but I think that was mostly, uh, you know – a cause of them being up so much in the second half and the Colts just kind of knowing that they were bleeding the clock and being able to just focus on stopping uh, Robinson I think that the bigger point here is the fact that they were comfortable giving him that volume and he played 63% of the snaps to uh, ETN's 40 so it looks like he is kind of the lead guy here I'm not ready to drop ETN yet he looks, still looks really good with the ball in his hands especially in PPR leagues. He still looks like he's going to get a little bit more receiving work than Robinson, but Robinson is the guy you want to start in half and non, and probably even in full. uh, But I just think that's where Etienne's value lies as PPR, hoping that his role expands as the year goes on. And then uh, Christian Kirk is a man. Uh, He had a tough matchup against Kenny Moore. We talked about it, but he still excelled. Uh, He had a great day, another two touchdowns for him. He's the number one in Jacksonville. Robinson and Kirk are pretty solid starters at this point.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And also want to shout out to uh, Trevor Lawrence. He had a pretty decent fantasy day. If you're in a 2QB league and he is somehow still out there somewhere, I would definitely add him real quick. And then uh, one other person, Nick, would you be chasing Evan Ingram if if you drafted a guy like Cole Komet who hasn't put up any fantasy points through two weeks? Would you chase his seven receptions?
0: I think I'd be playing him over Cole Komet, but that's not to say I'm chasing Evan Ingram. That's just to say I've probably given up on Cole Komet at least for yeah, the time being. Just because of that ridiculously low passing volume in that Chicago, Chicago offense. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But I think Evan Ingram is still a streaming... You know, He may have worked his way back into at least the streaming conversation, but he's only a guy I'm going to play in a great matchup, and I'd probably even want to see his involvement one more time before... I'd be comfortable recommending a stream on him. So I'm not incredibly, you know, I didn't really see anything from him that says he, you know, earned a role in this offense as a, as a consistent contributor. So we'll, we'll just see it moving forward. was good to see him at least be involved, though. Uh, Miami and Baltimore. This is probably the game that everybody wants us to talk about, that we want to most talk about just because of how entertaining it was. Miami, a ridiculous fourth quarter comeback, ends up winning 42 38. Cody, a terrible, terrible bad beat here with his uh, Baltimore minus three and a half pick looking fantastic basically for 45 minutes of this game. But uh, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill can change things really quickly. We saw that on Sunday. Uh, Really a lot to get to here. We'll start on the Miami side. Uh, I think Hill and Waddell are pretty much absolute must starts at this point. Not even that they weren't before, but. Uh, we probably won't even be bringing them up in lineup conversations anymore. They're both just going to be automatic starts. Uh, on the running back side of Miami, uh, I, I have absolutely no clue what Mike McDaniel is doing here. I feel like we've got a full-blown Kyle Shanahan situation here in Miami. Uh, Raheem Mostert, after last week of being the clear Second guy to Chase Edmonds, pretty much ran the show here, uh, had most of the carries, even had most of the targets. Uh, Chase Edmonds looked just fine on the touches that he got. Uh, again, kind of a just a, a weird, weird thing where he just was the two uh, after Mostert was the one or was the two last week and Edmonds was the one basically all off season. So I don't really know what to make of it, but I'm probably sitting both of them until I get some more clarity on this situation. What do you think?
1: I, I was right there with you. When I was making my notes about this, I was like, I I would have zero confidence putting either of these two guys into my starting lineup. Um, I think we were both relatively, not high, but we were definitely recommending Edmonds in either an RB2 or, or flex spot. And I mean, just an absolute dud this week. Um, I text you during the game, like, is he hurt? Like, have I just not gotten an update or am I not refreshing like enough? Like, what is happening And he was completely healthy, just not involved in the offense this week and uh, a little bit concerning. And it was really concerning to me. He didn't look good in the limited uh, snaps that he had. He finally broke one at the end of the game to end up getting him up to a 6.6 per carry average. But if you take that out, he was probably under two yards of carry. So I don't know if – I mean, obviously Mostert was in that Shanahan offense for many years in San Francisco when he was healthy. Um, so yeah, unless Mostert goes down at this point, I have zero confidence starting either of them.
0: Yeah. And you're probably adding Mostert at this point, uh, if he's still out there in your league, but I'm not incredibly encouraged, uh, by, by him. I wouldn't be shocked if Chase Edmonds came out and was the lead guy next week. I just don't have any confidence making that call either way. Honestly, I don't know about you, but. Uh, I think you're going ahead going ahead and adding Moster just because of how scarce running backs are if he's available. But I wouldn't put a huge FAB priority on him because it's just still a pretty uncertain situation between those two. And it looks like the passing game is going to be where the hay is made in this Miami offense. Um, and then the last guy we need to talk about on Miami is the quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa. 469 yards, six touchdowns in this one, four of them coming in the fourth quarter absolutely amazing game for Tua um so as a as a Trey Lance (laughs) owner Cody this may be selfish of me to ask but how much fab would you be spending on Tua Tungavailoa if you had to pivot to him I'm assuming that is your favorite quarterback pickup option uh out of the guys that may be available on waivers uh for people if if there's somebody else I'll go ahead and let you bring them up but how much fab would you be spending on Tua if you absolutely needed a quarterback
1: So I'm in that boat I had uh, uh, Trey Lance And I did not get a solid backup Because I was 100% in on him So I I am that guy who needs to Get a quarterback for week 3 My thing with Tua Is like how much fab am I willing To spend on him I mean I absolutely need a quarterback So I'm just going to throw out $20 and I know that sounds Probably low people are probably You know if you need a quarterback Expecting more but Tua's been wildly inconsistent his entire career. I understand that this is his best cast of characters that he's had, but to be completely honest, the Baltimore secondary looked awful in that fourth quarter. And if they could have just stopped one of those deep bombs, they win the game. Tua still has a good day, but I, I don't know. I don't, I'm don't. not going to overreact this week and go dump a whole bunch of fab into Tua um, there's a couple guys on our waiver wire that I have my eye on. Um, one of them we may have just talked about, Tre- Trevor Lawrence, but uh, I think he's gonna—he's not gonna cost as much. And I, you know, with how scarce running backs can be and such, like I don't want to fab dump on a quarterback and then have a running back injury in two weeks and need to try and go get that backup. So as much as I need a quarterback, I will put you know 15 to 20 percent on Tua just because this offense looks really good. Um, but if someone wants to go out there and outbid me and, and just take Tua from me, I, I would be okay with that. I, I'm not going to go crazy and put like 50 bucks on Tua just because I need a quarterback.
0: Yeah, I pretty much echo those thoughts on Tua. I think you are uh, prioritizing him over any other guy on the waiver wire most likely, uh, depending on what your wire looks like. But he's probably the, the, the name you want from the guys that are widely available in most leagues. Uh, But yeah, like you said, this is just one game. I think just knowing that this is in the range of outcomes for him is, you know, very encouraging that that he can have these blow up games. This is really not something we've seen from him before. So it seems like the, you know, the two pass, adding Tyree Kill to this equation has really unlocked something in this offense. Uh, Will we see it week to week? I'm not sure. And next week you got to play Buffalo at home. So. I think I think if you want to add Tua you're probably I mean obviously you're going to have to do it this week but you might also see his value skyrocket next week if he is able to pull off another good game against the, this Bills defense that's looked so dominant so far so I think you could be you know taking a lottery ticket on Tua but most likely, what you're going to get is somewhere in between what he was and what he is here, and that's probably a low-end starter, which you know is worth maybe, like you said, 15 to 20 percent if you have no one, but not worth dumping all of your fab budget on uh, because there will be other options that'll be similar from a fantasy perspective. On Baltimore's side, not a ton to talk about here from you know a difference-making standpoint as far as what we thought before. But uh, Lamar Jackson is very good at football. News flash for everyone out there. Uh, he's in a contract here, and he looks absolutely fantastic. Over 100 yards rushing, four total touchdowns. Uh, had a couple beautiful deep balls, one uh, especially to Rashad Bateman. And, uh, yeah, he, he looks really good out there. Uh, had kind of a disappointing second half when, you know, Baltimore sort of had the game in control. They, they kind of took their foot off the gas there. But that being said, you can't really blame Lamar. He Put up 38 points against a pretty good Dolphins defense. I, I don't really know what more you can ask from him. And then Rashad Bateman looked very impressive. Fell off in the second half again just because their game plan kind of went the other way uh, from, you know, the, the first half where they were really aggressive. But he was just – he just looked – out there he he when he caught that ball and outran everybody in the miami secondary i was just i just said wow like i did not know he had that type of speed in his game thought he was a little bit more of a you know a possession guy but he absolutely took off on that one that was pretty impressive i uh, i think you feel pretty good if you have rashad bateman and then on the running back side no one other than jk dobbins is worth a look once again his stock went up even though he didn't play
1: yep absolutely i would uh and if, you, if the J.K. Dobbins owner is 0-2, I, I would maybe even try and flip a running yeah. back that's going to start in week three for J.K. Dobbins. Dobbins may start, but you probably don't want to put him in your fantasy lineup till you get to see him out there on the field. Um, so he's, he's a trade-for candidate for me just because every other running back in that backfield looks terrible um, besides Lamar Jackson, who just ran all over Miami. But, uh, yeah, Bateman looked really good. Lamar... I mean, if you had Lamar on your fantasy team and you lost, send me a picture. I want to know who the other guy had to make that happen because he, <laughs> yeah. he was amazing. Um, but yeah, I I agree with you when it comes to Bateman. He looked really good. And of yeah, course, and I think Mark everybody Andrews, else in that. Yeah, Mark Andrews is yeah, exactly. In, so, Mark Andrews
0: is yeah. great. He was fantastic. Uh, I think everybody else in that offense, you, you don't really want to take a look at. No, Devin Duvernay uh, is. You know, he, he was kind of getting some buzz after that two touchdown week one, but I'm not looking to him as a consistent option. Seems like it's going to be Bateman and Andrews for the passing game. Uh, moving on to Atlanta and the Rams, another really entertaining game. Almost the best comeback of the day, which was really saying something because of kind of the ridiculous nature of the games that we had on the 12 o'clock slate. Uh, but the Atlanta Falcons almost, almost exercising those 28 to three demons. They end up losing it 31-27 to on the road against the Rams, but a really, really encouraging effort from this team in my mind. On the Atlanta side, Drake London looks super impressive, Uh, 12 targets in this one, 19 so far on the year. Uh, He scored a touchdown, had 86 yards on eight catches. Uh, Looks like the number one in this offense, maybe to the detriment of Kyle Pitts, who we'll get to in a second, but... Uh, Drake London looks fantastic. He might have worked his way into the low-end wide receiver two category at this point. I think you can pretty much start him every week moving forward. Uh, again, I mean, we're going to hope to see this volume hold and things will change as we go here. But the connection between him and Mariota looks pretty good so far.
1: Yeah, Drake London looks really good for sure. I think he's a must start if you if you drafted him. And if you you know drafted one of the wide receivers like a DJ Moore who's not really performing very well, Drake London should take his spot in your lineup without a doubt. He's been very impressive.
0: And then, uh, like I just said, to the detriment of uh, Mr. Kyle Pitts, uh, another two-catch day for 19 yards, only three targets. I'm probably buying low. Uh, there was a couple different defensive penalties on Kyle Pitts. I know I saw at least one uh, holding and one uh, pass interference that took away a couple plays that would have went his way otherwise. So this probably looks a little bit worse than it was. And again, this this, this passing volume off this offense is not going to be a prolific passing one from a t- statistics perspective. So somebody might have these type of weeks you know, between him and London every week. But uh, yeah, it's tough to see the first couple of weeks. Uh, the, the connection with him and Mariota is just not quite on the level that the the connection with London and Mariota is.
1: Yeah. I, I agree with trying to buy low on him, but it might be tough because if you used a third or fourth round pick on him, you wanted that difference maker at tight end and he has not been that. So I think it'd be hard to uh, get him in a trade unless you're giving that manager a difference maker, depending on their roster, I guess there might be another need, but um, yeah, if you can get them for cheap, I would, but I think that manager's probably going to be invested in them with the draft capital right now. So worth a try, but you may have to pay more than you're wanting to still. I would maybe see if he has a bad week three before I, you know, would trade a, a valuable asset for him.
0: Michael Thomas is who I would trade for Kyle Pitts, uh, but mm-hmm. that's just me. I like I that. That would, that would you trade Deontay Johnson for Kyle make. Pitts? Oh, absolutely. I would have. I would have done that before the year as well. But um, I think. I think both of those guys kind of fall into a similar category with for me with just kind of maybe bad offenses, but high target shares and yeah. you know, possible late season falling off. But uh, on the Rams side, uh, the running back room ended up kind of being the split that we expected to begin the year, not the split we saw in game one. But it seems that might may have been uh, due to Acres, you know, lingering injury there. So. Akers ended up with a higher share of the carries, but it looked like they pretty much split snaps, and it kind of it, it, it didn't really look like it was uh, situationally dependent. It kind of just seemed like they gave a drive to Akers, gave a drive to Henderson, and both of these guys are going to be involved in the offense. And are fine plays week to week, I think you're looking at lower-end RB2s, maybe even high-end flexes, uh, but still, I think they're both going to be involved, and they're both startable, but they will both take uh, work from each other. And then Allen Robinson... It was good to see him score, uh, but I was still kind of concerned with his lack of involvement in the offense. Only five targets, and he got a target off the bat and a target uh, on the touchdown basically right away. So only three targets the rest of the way. It seems like those targets were almost token in a way because of you know the squeaky wheel nature of the, the Robinson situation last week. But I don't know what you think, but Higby has out-targeted Allen Robinson 20-7 to seven through two games. That's not exactly what you want to see.
1: No, not at all. Um, I was, Like I said, I was still a little bit concerned um, with Robinson after that shaky week one, just because we haven't seen him be really good in a decent amount of time. Um, But he did look a little bit more involved. He got the touchdown. I I think, you know, P.E. was probably drafted. A lot of people were hoping for him to be like a wide receiver too. I think he's still in that flex category for me. Um, And I think his value is going to come down to getting into the end zone. Because and the biggest issue for him is Cooper Cup's just a, you know, target hog. 14, 11 receptions, 108 yards, and two touchdowns. Again, I mean, he's unbelievable. So if you're Matt Stafford, I can understand why you're throwing him the ball a bunch. Um, But, you know, with Robinson, like I said, I would consider him a flex option. If he gets into the end zone, you're going to be happy with his performance. If he doesn't get in the end zone, you know, he he had an okay day. Um, On the Higby side, Higby is at the, I think, right up there with Gerald Everett when it comes to streamable tight ends. Um, I think he's in the highest tier of stream uh, the streaming category and um, he's been really involved in the offense so far and he looks good so if he can keep that up he could have a chance of being uh, you know, a tight end 3, 4, or 5 on the season which would be really awesome because he uh, probably went undrafted so it's always funny to see that one guy kind of break out in the tight end position that everyone passed up on.
0: Yeah, you took the words out of my mouth there with the Everett comparison. I was going to say those two seem really similar to me right now, uh, both in solid offenses, both playing in L.A. coincidentally, and both of them kind of occupying a similar role in their good offenses. And both of them, you know, involved pretty consistently throughout the first two games. So good to see from Higby. He's in the low-end starting category for me as well. Uh, moving on to Seattle and San Francisco. Oh, Cody. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry that we even have to get to this, so uh, to spare your pain just a little bit, I'm going to start on the Seattle side here. We can kind of bag on the Seahawks for a minute before we get to San Francisco, but um, yeah, I mean, this offense has not looked great through the first two weeks. We basically saw 15 to 20 minutes of good football against my Denver Broncos in week one, and it's been a whole lot of nothing since then. Uh, Lockett ended up with a pretty good game here, had nine catches on 11 targets over 100 yards, but... Uh, him having that good game almost just makes this whole situation more murky for me. Uh, I can't trust DK right now either. I think uh, I think I'm still, be, I'm still definitely uh, over DK over Lockett at this point. But I am, you know, both of them are in the flex category. Uh, DK maybe higher end flex, Lockett lower end flex. But I don't have a ton of confidence. And then the running backs, if they're going to split work like they did. And, uh, you know, any game that they're going to be behind, they they both absolutely face-planted as far as statistics go. Uh, six carries for Penny, four for Walker. Basically nothing in the passing game. Travis Homer occupies that role, so I'm not even sure either one of them are startable. Uh, the only guy I'm looking at is DK Metcalf, and that's not excitedly at all.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Tyler Lockett did everything better than DK this week, and I would have zero confidence starting Tyler Lockett next week. So... Um, very murky situation. I would say if you're a DK owner, if you're not in a super competitive league, I would maybe try and trade him on name value and just get out of the Seattle Seahawks situation entirely. Um, I don't see any way that it gets better without you know a random trade for a quarterback that's not available right now. So I would go. I would lean away from all of them. And if you can trade off name value, or if you can trade off Lockett's one performance, which I don't, I don't think you can if you can find someone to do it go ahead and do it and uh um but yeah i would stay away from seattle nick let's just let's get san francisco out of the way
0: (laughs) i'm sorry buddy i avoided it as long as i could but here we are the san francisco 49ers end up taking this game pretty comfortably but that's not the story uh trey lance broken ankle he's out for the year uh I don't. I didn't actually watch the injury because I'm honestly a little bit squeamish when it comes to those sort of things. But from what I heard, it seems like it was a very similar mechanism to what we saw from Dak Prescott uh, two years ago when he fractured his ankle and was out for the year. So, really, really disappointing for Trey Lance owners. We never really got to see him with a fair chance here, uh, and you know, it's just going to be probably next year we're going to be dealing with the same situation we were this offseason with him and uh, Garoppolo. But Again, for a guy that kind of relies on his mobility for this type of injury, it's it's really tough. So I am uh, I know you're in mourning today, Cody, as Trey Lance was your guy in our keeper league, uh, unfortunately. But it seems like he is definitely going to be out for the rest of the year. He is droppable in all redraft situations and, yeah, big hit to his value moving forward. Cody, do you want to give any uh, depart, departed words to your man Trey Lance before we move on to the rest of this offense?
1: No, it is what it is, man. I mean, when you're a Russian quarterback, this is what you, you know, you have to face the fear of them getting injured, you know, a leg injury that takes him out for the entire year. It definitely sucks. I mean, I was high on him for a fantasy perspective, but I I kind of, I just enjoyed watching him play. I mean, he was very, a very doubted quarterback coming out of North Dakota State, um, you know, and, Third overall pick, hard to be doubted, but it happened a lot. So I was really hoping for him just to come out and just prove everybody wrong. Um, but unfortunately, that's not the case. I, you do have a note here: stock up on all pass catchers, and and I do agree with that. But Jimmy Garoppolo is thirteen to twenty-one for one hundred fifty-four yards. I know they didn't have to throw the football very much, but he's not a very reliable thrower of the football. Um, I would maybe more than Trey Lance. We didn't really get to see Trey Lance throw the football very much, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, if you had a Brandon Ayuk, I guess he's A little bit more valuable if you feel more Comfortable with Jimmy Garoppolo, but I don't think their value goes up tremendously um, But yeah, hopefully Trey Lance gets healthy, maybe He can still have himself, you know, a year Next year, but I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo goes back to the NFC Championship game again this year or the Super Bowl. I don't see how the 49ers can move on to Trey Lance next year. I know, I know that's hard, not yeah. hard to say, but I mean, how three out of four years he brings you to the NFC Championship game? Like, how are you then just going to move to a question mark in Trey Lance with this roster? I mean, it was already a big question mark this year, so I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo has a good season. Trey Lance's career might be not toast, but maybe on the downtrend. Quite
0: a bit. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's going to be interesting to see how the year develops with Jimmy. Uh, I think I'm a little bit higher on the pass catchers than you are. We've seen basically all of these guys have success at various points and all of those points have been with Garoppolo under center. So I think I am definitely ticking up on uh, Brandon Ayuk and this other guy that did not play. That is George Kittle. I would be buying low on George Kittle. The injuries have been a black mark on Kittle's fantasy value and career the past couple of years, and that has kind of been the story so far this year. But I think you could find a frustrated 0-2 George Kittle manager. And, you know, he's going to have his guy throwing him the ball. And if he gets out there and he's healthy, he's going to be a difference maker at tight end. Those are really hard to find right now. I would be buying low on George Kittle if you have the ability to wait another week or two for him to come back. His injury is still a little bit um, undetermined as far as the timeline there. So I would be buying low on George Kittle. And then on the running back room, Tyrion Davis-Price and and Jeff Wilson really split carries here. Now, unfortunately, Tyrion Davis-Price did sprain his ankle uh the word out of san francisco is that it's a high ankle sprain he might miss two to four weeks so jordan mason will probably be the next man up i think he's worth uh at least a couple bucks on fab i wouldn't go crazy wilson's going to be the guy but it seems like the 49ers want to work someone else in uh beyond jeff wilson and if jordan mason you know shows something when he's out there with him he could end up earning uh end up earning himself a larger share of the carries and without Trey Lance in the fold, uh there will only be you know, obviously Debo will get rushes as well, but those two guys will be the main runners of the football. So I would throw a couple fab bucks on Jordan Mason, maybe five to ten if he's out there in a in a deeper league.
1: Yeah. I mean if if Wilson goes down, then Jordan Mason's the starting running back. So I mean, there's not there's not a laundry list of people ahead of him anymore. I definitely think he's worth a couple fab bucks. Um, and this is a team that ran the ball 45 times. And I know that they were they were up in this game pretty much from the start. But uh, Kyle Shanahan loves to run the football. And if you can get a running back that's good in his offense for a couple fab dollars, then I would uh, I would recommend picking him up. Probably not season long. I mean, at some point you're hoping Mitchell comes back. And I think Davis Price would be the two if he wasn't hurt, but. Uh, for the next couple of weeks, I think Mason may be a solid flex play if they uh, if they are in a run heavy situation.
0: Yeah, he'll have an opportunity to establish himself. We'll see if he's able to take advantage of it. I would throw five to ten bucks on uh, Jordan Mason if you're RB needy, which most people are at this point. Uh, moving on to Cincinnati and Dallas, uh, disappointing effort here once again from the reigning Super Bowl losers in the Bengals. Uh, We'll start with the Cincinnati side. I think the biggest story here for them is this O-line has just not really come together yet. It still seems to be a weak spot of their roster when, uh, you know, we all kind of thought that the changes they made, myself included, uh, the changes they made would help at least propel this unit into average, above-average territory. It's very early, and sometimes with a lot of new starters like this, it takes time to come together, but so far, this O-line has looked pretty tough. Uh, I think... Burrow will be better, uh, and you know you you don't. I'm not really concerned about the auxiliary guys in this offense, but be it Mixon, be it Higgins, be it Chase, they're all really good. They'll be fine moving forward. But yeah, I think Burrow's upside is, is going to be a little capped if this O line can't figure it out.
1: Uh, yeah, it definitely will be. I mean, Burrow's looks like he's getting the crap beat out of him back there. So um, I would say that was the biggest concern after last year, and I know a lot of people had thought that they had really fixed their offensive line. Um, sorry i just read your last line under the dallas and it threw me off for a second i was like what are you talking about <laughs> uh but no on the cincinnati i mean t higgins jamar chase i mean you're starting those guys joe mixon you are burrow if this line looks this bad for you know another couple weeks burrow may find himself more towards a streaming category and i know it's going to be hard for people to do because they paid up for him in fantasy drafts but We're already in week three. We're starting to get to the point where you got to see what's happening on the field and kind of stop worrying about that draft capital you spent on players. So if he has another rough week and that O-line looks shaky again, he may be down in that streaming category. Well, still starting, but leaning towards the streaming category depending on matchup.
0: Yeah, my notes on the Dallas side may or may not have been edited by an outside source at some point uh, there in between me making them and us uh, going for the pod here. But, uh, yeah, I agree with you on Burrow. Uh, I think he's kind of what we expected, honestly. Uh, we were a little bit lower on him than most going into the draft season, so I think he'll be fine moving forward. But, you know, this O-line's got to figure it out. Otherwise, he's not going to have much time to let his receivers uh, develop anything downfield. On the Dallas side, uh, pulling off the 20-17 to win on the walk-off field goal, Big big win for them. They really needed that. Uh, I think if they can tread water here, uh, this this week NFC will allow them an opportunity to get back into the race if Dak comes back healthy midseason. Uh, but for as for the uh, the options here in fantasy for now, Pollard really looks like the best running back uh, in the in the offense here for the Dallas Cowboys. Ends up with the touchdown and uh, out. You know out yardage zeke by quite a wide margin there zeke is still out snapping him and out touching him. we've talked about that that's probably not going to change barring an injury to zeke but uh with you know the lack of w- with the backup quarterback in there i feel like dallas is just going to have to do what they can to move the ball here and if pollard is just that much more effective than zeke i think eventually they might turn to him at least in you know more of a split than it is now so Pollard looks pretty good. I think uh, he's the running back that I would want long term just for his upside. Zeke is, uh, you know, he has not looked great so far and did really concerning, really, really concerning to me that he did not get that goal line carry uh, when they had an opportunity to put him in on basically the half yard line. They just kept Pollard in after he had that chunk play. I. Really thought that was going to be a situation where, you know, Pollard has the long run, gets tackled on the one. He's tired. They put in Zeke as the hammer and he scores, but they left Pollard in the game. That was really concerning to me. Uh, anything you want to add on the backfield before I get into the rest of it?
1: um no i do want i guess sorry i do want to say one thing uh through two weeks of the nfl season both you and i have more receiving yards than ezekiel elliott uh started off with negative three in week one and then followed it up with negative four in week two so uh, i think pollard the the most uh, i keep messing up the way i'm trying to say this pollard's value comes from the passing game especially um there are seven targets four receptions 55 yards Zeke, two targets, one reception for negative four yards. So whether it's the game plan between when they have Zeke and Pollard in there or what Zeke is not getting those dump down passes that made him extremely valuable the first couple of years of his career. And if that keeps up, uh, unless they have a, a great matchup, Zeke is like, I think they're both like flex level players and Pollard may have a higher upside at this point. Unless Zeke can start, like you said, if he gets that goal line carry, gets in the end zone, we're having a different conversation, but you're exactly right. When Pollard broke that long play and then immediately ran it in after, that is uh, very concerning to me for a guy who has Ezekiel Elliott in probably too many leagues at this point.
0: Moving on to the pass catchers here. Uh, I think CeeDee Lamb will be just fine with Cooper Rush under the helm. Had 11 targets in this one. Noah Brown kind of stole the show from a yardage and uh, ended up getting the touchdown that Cooper Rush threw. But 22 targets for Lamb through two weeks. He he is the clear number one here. Ended up with an okay game in this one as well. I think he will be just fine moving forward. Uh, You should obviously lower expectations slightly just because he has Cooper Rush throwing him the football, but I think he'll still be a solid wide receiver, too. Probably not what you expected going into the year, but hopefully that uh, that value can be realized when Dak comes back. And until then, he's still a startable asset. Dalton Schultz uh, got injured in this one and did not play a very good game. Lost a fumble. Ended up with, I believe, negative .2 points, unless you were in a PPR situation. Uh, tough week for Dalton Schultz. We'll just have to uh, monitor the injury situation. I'm not necessarily throwing him under, you know, I'm not throwing him away just yet. I think he'll still be a usable asset with Cooper Rush under under center, but we'll have to monitor his injury situation and uh, a pretty disappointing week from a volume perspective for him before he left.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, as someone who has C.D. Lamb in one of my leagues, I will say I I was very happy with the target volume. Um, and he's the type of athlete he could have broken one of those for a long play and potentially a touchdown. Just didn't happen to go his way this week. Uh, so yeah, C.D. Lamb should be fine. Just He's going to be the ultimate volume play. And yeah, I agree with Dalton Schultz. I mean, he's probably still a valuable tight end. Even if he's not playing, I wouldn't drop him unless you're just in a really, you know, sh- not shallow, but if you're in a really just roster-tight constriction. Um, but I I think he still has value, but if you just got to monitor that injury, it, it sucks. I I was very high on Dalton Schultz. I thought he could have been the breakout tight end of the year, and it's been a rough start to that uh, to that prediction, to say the least.
0: Arizona and Las Vegas, yet another big fourth quarter comeback here. Arizona ends up winning it in overtime, twenty nine to twenty three, on a classic walk off fumble return touchdown. Uh, on the Arizona side, uh, again, a good to see a win here, but this offense is very hot and cold so far to start this year, to say the least. Uh, Kyler Murray kind of had to play hero ball at the end there to get them back into it uh, until Hopkins. I think I think Hopkins' value is actually going up right now just because he looks pretty necessary to this offense um, as, as, as a whole is concerned. But I think until then, Ertz and Marquise Brown are going to be solid options. They had 22 targets combined, 11 each. Marquise Brown didn't end up with a great day from a fantasy perspective. Only six catches for 68 yards. Ertz ends up uh, with over 70 yards and a score. But uh, the target volume was very encouraging. And I think he will be a major part of this offense, at least until Hopkins comes back. Then we'll just have to see. The Connor injury was a big bummer. He, again, was super, super involved until he got hurt. Looks like this shouldn't be a long-term issue. He was still in uniform on the field uh when you know they won the game in overtime he was celebrating with his teammates so it seems like connor should be okay moving forward so i'm not really interested in either darrell williams or uh you know benjamin on the waiver wire but disappointing for connor owners that he had uh, to leave that game in the second quarter and ended up with kind of a dud of a game anything you want to add on arizona side
1: nope i think he nailed every single point i wanted to hit
0: On the Vegas side, uh, my under on seven and a half wins for Vegas is looking pretty darn good right now. Uh, They were up 16 points late in the third. Ended up blowing it uh, 23-29 at home to this Arizona team that looks very beatable to start this year. very disappointing game for Vegas. Weird game for Devontae Adams. Uh, only two catches for 12 yards after such a huge week one. Uh, the target volume wasn't really there either. Only five targets. Arizona actually did a really good job of limiting number one wide receivers last year. We didn't really see that in week one. Uh, that's, I guess that's mostly because the Kansas City Chiefs don't really have a wide receiver one. So I guess you could say Travis Kelsey is that guy. He still had a big week, but still not a wide receiver uh, in that sense. So... Maybe that is just something that they do a good job of, taking away your number one pass-catching option or whoever they deem to be your number one pass-catching option. But we'll, we'll see, I guess, as we move forward here. Just kind of a weird game for Adams. I'm not really concerned about him long-term. And then, again, I'm going to be buying low on Josh Jacobs here. 19 carries, had a catch as well. Still extremely involved in this offense. Didn't score and didn't look great, but didn't look bad. I think he looks like Josh Jacobs. He's a solid running back, not something spectacular, but he should be super involved in this offense. And uh, once he has a game where he, you know, falls into the end zone a couple times, you're not going to be able to buy low on him. So I would buy low on Josh Jacobs.
1: Yep, I completely agree. And also shout out Darren Waller, probably one of the, maybe the second best tight end performance of the week behind Mark Andrews. So um, if you paid up for him in drafts, I was definitely a guy telling you not to, but he looked really good this week. You know, how much of that was the lack of involvement with Devontae Adams? Maybe part of it, but Hunter Renfro also had a solid performance. Um, I think he – was. A, I think it was a concussion at the end of that game. Um, but I – pass catching options there. I mean, Waller and Adams are the two I feel confident with. And then if Renfro's playing against a solid matchup, I would maybe, maybe consider him as a flex. But, um, yeah, Josh Jacobs is also definitely a buy low candidate because – If he would have got, I think if he gets in the end zone in this game, your chances of buying low are out. So if you play against someone that maybe doesn't look at the, uh, you know, how many attempts or how involved the player is, and just looks at the points they put up, he's definitely a guy you could probably get on the low after this week.
0: Yeah, agreed. Waller does look pretty good right now, and then uh, Renfro definitely monitor his injury if you have to play him for any uh, any deeper league situation because uh, his concussion was, you know, he got absolutely creamed on that play in overtime where he lost the ball and they scored the touchdown, so yeah. he might be out for a week depending on his uh, his. Involvement or uh, his his coming back from that concussion, so we'll just have to monitor that. Uh, moving on to the game that I was avoiding today, that is Houston and Denver. Uh, my Broncos end up pulling out a ugly game, 16 to 9 at home over the Houston Texans. Uh, we'll start on the Houston side so I can uh, mentally prepare for uh, the other half of this segment here, but. I think if you held on to Damian Pierce, you're pretty happy right now. Ended up with 19 carries for 69 yards, had a catch for eight yards as well. So not a great fantasy day uh, as far as the numbers go, but he had every single running back carry that there was, and Rex Burke had suited up for this one. Uh, had a couple targets, played a little bit on third downs, but uh, looks like the, the coaching staff decided to make Damian Pierce their guy i don't really know what to make of week one i i don't trust that damian pierce will get every single running back carry like he did this week moving forward but it was just good to see him seemingly being made the lead guy so i think you can at least anticipate him leading the texans in carries moving forward
1: yeah absolutely um i guess i didn't see this no rex burkhead did play he was involved in the receiving game just no rushing attempts that is uh I didn't see that until actually just right now. That's very surprising, but I makes me very happy. I was a guy who drafted Pierce, in, I think almost just about every league except for the one you and I are in. So, um, yeah, that makes me very happy for going forward. But um, still, you're RB one on what's considered to be a pretty bad offense. You know, you're not jumping off the, you're not jumping with excitement with his involvement, but. If you're someone who, especially if you spent a higher round draft pick like that last week before the season started, you got to be happy with his involvement. Um, and yeah, I I do have a question actually, just because I'm I'm in a league. I went really running back heavy in my draft, and I need a wide receiver. Would you consider trading Damian Pierce or Cam Akers for a receiver of a similar level?
0: I think I would just, whichever one you can get more value for, I guess, yeah. is where I would trade because I view them pretty similarly. Obviously, Pierce right. is probably going to have a little bit more volume moving forward, but he's on a worse team. Acres a little less volume, maybe a little less consistent, but uh, the better offense, so probably more touchdown upside. Um, I think that's a tough one. I I think I would want to hold on to Damian Pierce just because I like the player a little better, but it's not a strong lean. So I think if you could get better value for Pierce and you had to hold on to Akers, I'd go ahead and move him. But that's not a bad play to make on either one of those guys. Uh, Because, you know, if Rex Burkhead comes out next week and randomly leads them and carries again, or if Daryl Henderson comes out next week and randomly is the lead guy which you know, we see that kind of thing happen all the time in the NFL. Their value will plummet, so it might not be a horrible idea to move off of them right now. But uh, Damian Pierce, I, I like as a player. I think his long-term prospects look pretty good right now uh, for the rest of the year. On the Denver side, ugh, um, I don't even want to talk about this right now, but just an absolutely horrible effort all around, really. Uh, the defense was solid, but uh, that's kind of what you'd expect against a Davis Mills-led offense. Um, <coughs> the offense... Looks really discombobulated for most of the game. Russ, I think at one point, was 6-for-20 passing the ball, which is just absolutely horrendous against a Houston Texans uh, defense here at home. Uh, really, this offense kind of fell apart once Judy uh, made his way out. They they've really missed having another decent pass catcher. Uh, Cortland Sutton was really the only guy that was moving the ball for them beyond the running backs, and Nathaniel Hackett's refusal to run the ball in the red zone. Is extremely maddening. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's refusal to snap the ball on time is also extremely maddening. But uh, that's that's uh, something that I hope we can get cleaned up. Judy uh, looked like he avoided major injury. It's gonna. It looks like a rib injury for him, which is good. It kind of looks like to me either a collarbone or an AC joint off of initial. Uh, you know, just, just the way he landed, that's kind of the mechanism you see for those shoulder injuries and those collarbones a lot, but it seems like it's a rib, which is good news. He's day-to-day right now, which is way better than you would have expected. Same with Patrick Sertan on the defense. Uh, this note may be more for me than anyone else just because I'm a Broncos fan, but he is also day-to-day with a shoulder injury, so I think both those guys avoided major injury. That's good news, but wow, uh, this offense does not look good right now, and... I'm pretty nervous starting Russ next week against San Francisco. I'm not sure I'm ready to spend up to to replace him uh, as as a fantasy option, but I think you got to be starting to think about uh, some other options at quarterback if Russ is your only guy.
1: Uh, yeah, I I completely agree. I have a buddy who um, I helped him with his first fantasy league this year, and I recommended him getting Russ, and he's not been very happy with me through two weeks. So uh, sorry for that, but yeah, he's he's looked just there. Like, my thing when I watch Denver is they look like they don't have a head coach or they don't look like they don't have a tenured quarterback. Like, if Nathaniel Hackett was doing this with Zach Wilson, I would understand it a little bit. But, like, you're Russell Wilson. You're a Super Bowl champion. How many-time Pro Bowler? How many-time All-Pro? Do, like, call the timeout if you need the timeout or or anything. Like, if you have a field goal opportunity, get a delay of game, and then have to punt – Like, you're lucky you didn't lose this game because Denver fans would have been coming at your head, Nathaniel Hackett. Like, that is disgusting. So, they just... I don't know if it's a hierarchy issue or what they got to do over there, but just make your game plan beforehand and just call timeouts if you need to or run plays when you need to. It's football. you got to have that kind of stuff down. You can't be making those kind of errors against any of the other teams in the AFC West and have a real hope of winning that game. So... Luckily, this happened against Houston. I'm hoping they can kind of lock it in this next week and just iron out some of these just clueless issues that they're having, and then just move forward from it. Because there's a lot of fantasy value here. Obviously, Russell Wilson we think is still a pretty good quarterback, and you know, just I I knew I knew it was going to be bumpy to start, but this looks really bad to start Nathaniel Hackett's head coaching career.
0: 25 penalties for the Denver Broncos through two games, most in franchise history. Good start, Nathaniel Hackett. You love to see that. Uh, Jerry Judy, <laughs> hopefully coming back next week. But if he doesn't, Cortland Sutton is an elite option. He was the basically the only guy in the passing game that was making any sort of a difference. So if there's no Judy next week, Sutton is a smash play, even against somewhat of a tough defense in San Francisco. Moving on uh, from my sanity to Chicago and Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay ends up winning this one, 27 to 10. This game honestly played out beyond uh, what we'll get to here with Chicago's offense and how you know what how they chose to you know to dis- distribute runs and passes. I think this game pretty much played out exactly how we thought. Green Bay, a good bounce back effort here against uh, a team they traditionally beat up on at home in Chicago. Uh, starting on the Chicago side, it looks like David Montgomery is still the lead guy. I'd be uh, okay starting him as an RB2, if not necessarily extremely excited. He still looks fine and has his moments as a runner. Uh, I'm okay playing a Montgomery as a low-end RB2, maybe even a mid-tier RB2 at this point with some of the injuries and some of the guys falling off. Uh, but the pass catchers in this offense uh, are completely unusable at this point. Justin Fields... Uh, <laughs> Justin Fields had seven completions this week in a game that they were trailing essentially the entire way through seven for 11, 70 yards and a pick. Um, Yeah. I mean, I think you just, you can't play anybody that is a pass catcher for Chicago right now until you see some, uh, you know, some motivation to throw the ball from the coaching staff. I, I don't really understand what uh, the thought process is there. If they're just completely bailing on fields as their guy long-term, or if, uh, you know, that's just their philosophy moving forward is running the ball this much. But uh, I think they're going to have to try and open it up a little bit if they want uh, to win some games, especially when they're down multiple scores late the late, you know, in the third quarter, they can't be, Eleven attempts in in a NFL football game where you're losing most of the time is just absolutely laughable. Uh, at this point, Komet and Mooney are benches, and you have to wait until you see it. I, I'm probably dropping Komet because tight ends are replaceable, and you know I don't really see him being a difference maker going forward. And Mooney, I I, I guess I would hang on to him right now, but I, I just I need to see something before I even think about putting him back in my lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean I'll hold on to Mooney for one to two more weeks but if there's a guy who is is out there on the waiver wire that you know you have a lot more trust in or or you think is more valuable i would not be hesitant to cut bait with mooney um just because of the way this offense is ran i mean to throw the ball 11 times and you're losing the entire game is ridiculous so um yeah i mean i don't know it's just if it's the plays that they're they're calling in or if it's justin fields just one look taking the ball down and running with it it's just kind of a big mess so hopefully they can just get some volume to at least one receiving option on this team Um, but i also just want to point out one more thing two two times inside the five they just ran a quarterback design run with justin fields instead of turning around and giving it to david montgomery i agree with nick that montgomery is an rb2 level running back but he could he could have had a really good week if they would have just turned around and gave him the ball on the one yard line I know there's the picture it looks like Justin Fields got in but you pay the running back to be a running back let him take that take that ball into the end zone we saw what happened in San Francisco with Trey Lance you were already most likely going to lose this game I think that's just that was a terrible play call by their offensive coordinator and I I just It made me very frustrated when I watched that. Why pay for a running back if you're just going to have your quarterback run the ball on the goal line? It's idiotic to me.
0: On the Green Bay side, uh, a decent bounce-back week for this offense. They really didn't have to do much after they had the good second quarter. They were up so big at half, they kind of just coasted the rest of the way. Aaron Jones absolutely exploded in this one. Uh, We told you, another one of our guys we had on buy low last week, that one ended up working out. He's probably not uh, on that list anymore. I think his value is pretty much solidified. He and Dylan are going to continue to split touches. They're both startable assets, and again, Jones will have his down weeks, but he will have his up weeks, and he will win you weeks when he does, like he did uh, this week against uh, the Bears. He had a great game, two touchdowns well over 100 yards involved in both the receiving and the rushing game. Uh, Just kind of what you expect to see from Aaron Jones against a bad team at home. And then uh, the pass catchers is where I'm a little bit worried. I don't really know what to think quite yet. Uh, I'm not ready to make judgments on Alan Lazard. Uh, Again, they, they just weren't, they didn't really, they were not pressed to throw the ball down the field in this game and take risks with Alan Lazard or any one of their other pass catchers. So it's kind of hard for me to judge them. They had a couple big plays early with Sammy Watkins, and that's really all they needed in this one from the passing game. So not a lot for Lazard, not a lot for Tunyon. I'm not necessarily bailing on them yet, though. I think uh, better days are ahead when they are a little bit more you know, necessary to the game plan.
1: Yeah, Tanyan's a streaming tight end, and when your quarterback doesn't have to throw the ball very much, it's going to be hard for a streaming tight end to be very valuable um alan lazard he must have a really good you know friendship with aaron Rodgers because after his touchdown he did have he did an ayahuasca tea celebration in which he poured out tea to all of the players and they all just like passed out on the field so obviously him and aaron Rodgers must be at least good friends for him to make that joke like on national tv in front of everybody but i thought that was kind of interesting kind of a just dumb point there but um i I still like alan lazard moving forward that's funny yeah, I mean, I, that was like the big talk of the offseason, and he basically just came out after his first touchdown and made a joke about it in front of Aaron Rodgers. So if Aaron Rodgers is cool with that, I'm assuming they have good chemistry. He's going to be the wide receiver I want out of that offense still. Uh, Sammy Watkins looked all right. He may be worth an add in a super deep league, but everyone knows how Sammy Watkins is at this point. You can't really trust him to be there week in and week out.
0: Yeah, I'm not biting on him. Oh, I think Lazard's the only guy I would like in this offense from a wide receiver standpoint if you have to roster one.
1: Yep, A.J. Dillon may have fell into that buy low category uh, this week. He wasn't very, he was very efficient on the carries that he did have, didn't get in the end zone. Uh, if there's a guy out there that has to start him, you might be able to uh, to go out there and get him, but his his talent's going to be hard to trade for. If it's a good fantasy manager, yeah. I don't think they're going to get rid of him for low, but it might be worth
0: a shot. If you can buy low on them, I would certainly do that. Let's pivot to the Monday night games here. They just finished up a little bit ago here. Tennessee and Buffalo is our first one. Tennessee absolutely destroyed on the road against the the team that looks head and shoulders above everybody else in the NFL right now uh, from a complete standpoint. The Bills win this one, 41 to 7, and honestly, they could have won it 60 to 7 if they wanted to. They were up 41 to 7 with 3:58 left in the third quarter, and they took out all their starters, uh, starting with Tennessee. There's really not much to talk about here. Um, I this old line. Is not a strength anymore Uh, it used to be one of their calling cards but uh, Taylor Lewan got injured early in this game and they've had kind of a talent uh, reprieve from this uh, this O-line the past couple years so it really showed once one of their best linemen left the game uh, they couldn't really do anything on the ground they had a couple decent drives to start the game but then the offense completely sputtered Derrick Henry saved your day with a touchdown but uh, yeah, you know, I mean, a little bit of concern for him. I think he'll be fine moving forward, but it's going to be, you know, he he can't do it all on his own. He needs this offense to to show a little bit from the passing side of things to to keep a defense honest. But right now, uh, that is not the case. So, Titans downfall might be upon us, Cody. Uh, that was not a good game, and it looked really ugly.
1: Yep, it's Jaguar season, baby. They they are going to take this division. <laughs> I'm I'm calling it now, so we can replay the tape at the end of the year. I think Jacksonville. Through two weeks has looked the most impressive team out of that has looked like the most impressive team out of that division. Um, obviously, how much of the Colts not having Michael Pittman was a part of that we'll end up finding out later. But um, yeah, Tennessee looks awful. Um, I think I know where you'd go with this depending on um, you know the format. But would you rather have Derek? Like if I have Derek Henry. And if I could package him with a low-level wide receiver, should I maybe try and go out there and get like an Austin Eckler and hope for his volume to pick back up?
0: I don't know if I would go by low by low there. I think if you can get a really solid RB1, like, um, well, I wouldn't even say a Dalvin Cook after tonight, uh, but maybe, you know, one of those other guys in the first round, like a Joe Mixon or a a a Saquon Barkley, somebody that is just a a, – looks like a – very involved, bona fide RB1. I think I might be okay with that, but I think you probably just have to hang on to Henry. Better days are ahead from him. He'll have better days against uh, worse teams than Buffalo on the road when Tennessee is able to establish that ground game a little bit more. So yeah. I think Henry will be fine, but... You know, they're, they're, this is in the realm of outcomes now with how, how poor this uh, this offensive line is and maybe even this secondary being this bad as well. So For we'll sure. see how they are moving forward. But yeah, I, I don't really disagree with you on the Jacksonville thing. Jacksonville is the only team that has a win So far in the AFC South, and that is because they played another team in the AFC South. So uh, that that Houston, Houston, and Indianapolis
1: did in Week One, they couldn't couldn't find a way to get a win. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't couldn't find a winner (laughs) on
0: either side there. Yeah, that's what made this possible. But that's that's pretty funny. I thought uh, that was a pretty good stat. But on the Buffalo side, uh, yeah, they're they're very good. I would uh, go ahead and start their defense in any format. Uh, that you have defenses in uh, next week against Miami is going to be the game that will really tell us a lot about both of these teams if they dominate Miami in Miami this uh, this team uh, might coast its way to the number one seed with the way they're playing right now but uh, yeah, you want absolute pieces in this passing game. Stefan Diggs went absolutely nuclear in this one. Three touchdowns uh, with the absence of Gabe Davis there. I think, uh, you know, Diggs is who he is. He's one of the elite wide receivers in this league. We've talked about him being a little bit higher on our list than others uh, coming into the year, and this is exactly why this offense is just so good, and he's the lead guy. So uh, you absolutely want. Pieces in this passing game. Gabe Davis will be super involved when he comes back, but yeah, this week with just Stefan Diggs on the outside, it was uh, it was an absolute show between him and Josh Allen. The running backs once again disappointing here. Uh, really, just all of them getting involved. Not sure really any of them are startable at this point. James Cook ends up with the lion's share of the carries, but that mostly came towards the end of the game when uh, you know the 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 outcome was not in doubt anymore. So. I think uh, you can still stream Dawson Knox. Had an okay game in this one, 4-for-41, but that's kind of a streaming tight end for you. Uh, better days will be ahead when he ca- you know, He'll have games where he catches a touchdown and he has a better line. So I think uh, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis, and Josh Allen are all smash plays the rest of the year as long as they're in the lineup.
1: Yep, absolutely. And on the running back note, it is sad because their best running back plays quarterback. So I would stay away from all three of those options <laughs> at this point.
0: Agreed. Uh, moving on to Minnesota and Philadelphia, a little bit of a disappointing game here. Philadelphia coasts to a 24-7 to win. Uh, this offense looked absolutely fantastic in the first half. That offensive line is just dominant right now. Uh, really allows them to, you know, do whatever they want on offense because the defenses have to be so you know, have to keep themselves honest with that run game because the O line is just so good and they have Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders in the backfield. So it's it it opens up a lot of things in the play action game and just in the receiving game in general, because they have some really good options between Devontae Smith, AJ Brown and Dallas Goddard. All of them who had had, all of whom had decent games in this one. A little bit of a disappointment from AJ Brown maybe, but Again, just wasn't really that necessary this week uh, with Minnesota only putting up seven points. Still had five catches for 69 yards. Devonta Smith, a nice bounce back game, seven for 80. And then uh, Dallas Goddard, one of the best tight end performances of the week at five for 82. So all these guys are okay plays. Devonta Smith's still the, the clear three for me out of these guys. I, I don't really, I'm not changing my opinion on any of the pass catchers for uh, the Philadelphia side. Anything you want to say on Philly before we touch on Minnesota?
1: No, uh, well, or yes, I guess. One thing, A.J. Brown did go into the uh, blue 10 at one point in that game, so I feel like when, and they were already ahead at that point, so I just felt like they kind of just phased him out on purpose. They didn't want to uh, want that injury to flare up any worse than it was, so if you're an A.J. Brown owner, don't don't worry about it. He, he's going to have much better games a lot this year, so this offense looks really, really good, and I think we were both concerned with Hurts as a pass thrower, but he's making multiple uh, pass catching options look good. So uh, shout out to Jalen Hurts. Like you said, he's a potential league winner out there right now.
0: Yeah, he's shown his improvements in the passing game. Three total touchdowns, over 300 yards, throwing 26 of 31. Very efficient with, uh, you know, very looked accurate, looked good, looked in control of the offense here in this one. And, yeah, 5 for 69 is your worst game from A.J. Brown. You'll be pretty happy. On the Minnesota side, Tough week here. Uh, Kirk Cousins in primetime really showed up again. Uh, three picks in this one uh, all in the second half, and all of them just looked horrible from Kirk Cousins' perspective. The second one was a really good play by Avante Maddox. on. Uh, he was trying to hit Phelan on a corner route, and that, that throw wasn't terrible. It was just a really good play by Maddox, but still just not a throw you need to make in that spot, down three scores in field goal range. Uh, All three of his picks coming on the plus side of the field, so a really tough week for Kirk Cousins. His primetime narrative did not get any better in this one, and then uh, yeah, on the rushing side of things, just didn't really get anything going consistently on offense. Pretty much all of the pass catchers here had a disappointing week uh irv smith getting into the end zone probably the only one that you would say had a good week uh from a fantasy perspective based on expectations so i think better days are ahead here i'm not necessarily that worried about any one of these options uh just just a tough week when your quarterback is playing that poorly it's going to be hard for any of the options to to cash in
1: yep yeah shout out to nick called it perfectly took philadelphia minus the points here to uh end his perfect three and a weekend so shout out to nick on that but yeah, primetime Kirk Cousins just killed them this game. I mean, Dalvin had a bad fantasy game, but it's hard for Dalvin to get super involved when his team's down three scores. And, uh, you know, Justin Jefferson, he's going to have better games. Um, he was, I think, the third interception for Kirk Cousins. Like, he must have only been looking Jefferson's way because he just did not, did not put that ball where it was catchable for him. But, um yeah, I, I agree. I think you're going to have better days ahead. I'm not going to overreact to any of this. Um, Kirk Cousins is who we think he is. He's good against good matchups, but you know I would never have streamed him against Philadelphia this week. They have a really good defense, so that's just something you're going to have to keep in mind if you, are, um, if you have Kirk Cousins on your roster now or if you plan on streaming him in the future. Primetime against good defenses is an absolute no way for Kirk Cousins.
0: Yeah, definitely got to show me something before I believe in it uh from Kirk Cousins perspective there. Uh and like you said in primetime, he's consistently shrank uh under the lights here in in most most weeks rough, out of his career.
1: It's so a rough like career statistic to have to follow you around everywhere.
0: Yeah, At some point, it just kind of becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, I feel like. This one, kind of a tough one just because they played a really good team on the road. But yeah, Cousins has got to show you a little bit more if they want to go far in the playoffs and if uh, we want to be doing this podcast from Cancun next year because we need him to make the Super Bowl and lose to Lamar Jackson. So,
1: um,
0: Anything else you want to add on Week 2, Cody? Uh, We just finished up the matchups there, and uh, I think I got in everything I wanted to mention.
1: Yeah, no, just if we did not mention anyone that you have questions about, either a waiver wire pickup, we know that a lot of those are going to have to be done Tuesday, or all of them should be have to be done Tuesday. So if we didn't mention any names that you want more information about, feel free to message us, hit us up on social media. We'd be more than happy to help you out there. Um, but yeah, I, I'm good to wrap this up. We are uh, we are pushing my bedtime at this point, so I am ready to, <laughs> ready to call it.
0: All right, Cody, you go hit the hay, and thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back soon with a uh, Thursday night preview and uh, you know a couple of other good episodes later in the week. So stay tuned. We will talk to you all soon, and, Cody, go get some sleep, buddy.
1: Yep, peace out, everybody.